Second wind gives you the courage to dream big, inspires you to play full out, and helps you get your second wind for the next life's adventure. Now, I'm Joyce Buford, and I'm your host today. And we have a wonderful guest today because she's going to share with us some really important transitions that she made in this last year. Now, Anita Perkle is her name. I want to change it, but I'm not. It's really Anita Perkle. Anita (laughs) Perkle was born and raised in New Jersey and graduated from Purdue University. She was married for 61 years and had three children and has two grandchildren. She and her husband moved to Atlanta 40 years ago, and I've been sharing the product Juice Plus, she says, for 25 years. Now, she will share with us why she is so excited about this and has shared it with so many people over the 25 years. As well, she is going to share with us the transition that her family faced in 2021 that totally reshaped their family. How do you get through grief and how do you start again? And so anyway, Anita, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So I'm interested in knowing when you, I know you spent some time in corporate America. What, what did you study when you were in school or was that where you transitioned your school studies into a profession? No, actually, uh, my, hol- my husband was a college professor. Oh. And I had started years before to get my degree and what happens, life gets in the way. Yes. So after I'd had my three children and my husband was teaching at Purdue, I went mm. back and finished my degree in education. Great. Well, tell me at what, what age you graduated, because I love it when women go back to school after. Um, I was probably in my early 40s. You're still raising them. You were 40? Yeah. I think that's awesome. You know? Yeah. I was called a mature student. <laughs> I don't well. know how mature I was, but anyway, <laughs> I was a student. <laughs> oh, I love it when people go back and, and work on their dream, you know? Right. So you moved to Atlanta and was that because your husband got a job there teaching? Yes, he went he was at um Oglethorpe University. Okay. And actually he had family here. Yeah. His parents were here and so it worked out very well for us to come down. Yeah. Well, Atlanta is a great place. It's huge. Yeah. You know, I'm a little girl from East Texas. And so my visit there was shocking. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it'd be like Dallas, Texas. There is no place like Atlanta. No. And if you were to come now, you would even be more shocked. Oh, my goodness. Because it's grown so much. Everybody thinks that Atlanta is a wonderful place to live. So we've got a lot of people moving in. Yeah. Well, Anita... I would like for you, if you will, to share the transition that you all were faced with in December of 2020. Well, it it was Christmas Day Mm -hmm. and seven members of my family were at my daughter's house and we had a wonderful Christmas Day. It was very memorable. Yeah. 
But unbeknownst to us, my daughter had been exposed to uh, COVID. Yes. He did not realize that. Yeah. So shortly after Christmas Day, she started with a terrible cough mm-hmm. and finally ended up in the emergency room and they diagnosed her with COVID pneumonia. Mm. Uh, so at that point, we were all getting tested and we all tested positive. All of you? Uh, all of us. Wow. Now, of the seven, she ended up in the hospital. My son-in-law just lost his taste and smell and so did my granddaughter and grandson. Yes. My son had a fever for a day or so, but my husband became quite ill. Mm. And finally, we called 911 and took him to the hospital on January 6th. And I was running high fevers, almost 103. Wow. And finally, I said to my son, I think that maybe you just need to take me by the doctor's office and let me just, because I'm just not feeling that well. Well, Uh, I went in and, you know, they immediately said, you're going in the hospital. Right. right. And at that point, and, you know, I've had a few surgeries during the years and Mm -hmm. I've been sick like everybody else. Yeah. But I could not believe how out of it I was. I mean, mm. I just don't even remember those first few days that mm. I, because I, I was so sick. Right. And in the meantime, my husband was on the first floor. I was on the third. Mm-hmm. And then they moved me to the sixth because there wasn't enough oxygen on the third. Mm-hmm. And one day they said I was going to do FaceTime with my husband, Mm. which I did. And he said, I came to say goodbye. And unbeknownst to me, he had done FaceTime with my children, my grandchildren, and then me. And he said, I'll see you on the other side. Because they told him that he was dying and there wasn't anything they could do. So this must have been the next day. And I was still, because when I think about it now, I think he said, I came to say goodbye. And I, I really think I said, okay. So uh, it just shows you how I wasn't even comprehending what he was right. saying. Yeah. So, The next night I went to sleep and I heard a doctor say, she's not gonna make it. Her lungs cannot sustain the oxygen. Oh. And do you know later on when I talked to a nurse, I said, did a doctor really say that? And she said, yes, he did. Uh So I really did hear it. It wasn't that I dreamt it. Yeah. I woke up at two o'clock in the morning and remember I was, I I just can't believe how sick I was. I don't think I've ever been that sick in my whole life. Yeah. 
I woke up at two o'clock in the morning in a state of panic because I had heard him say that. Yeah. I'm not one to crawl under the blankets and suck my thumb and say, oh my gosh, (laughs) I had to talk to somebody. So I called my daughter at two o'clock in the morning. She must have been sitting there with the phone in her hand because she she was home from the hospital at that point. Yes. And she answered the phone. And I told her, I said, I am so scared. I, I can't even tell you how scared I am because the doctor doesn't think I'm going to make it. Dana, I am so sick. I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh. She spoke to me for an hour. I don't even know what she said. Yeah. She talked to me for an hour. I laid down, I closed my eyes. I prayed so hard. I've never prayed so hard in my whole life. And I said, God, you've got to bring your healing light into my life. I cannot leave my family. They cannot lose both parents at this time. Bring your heal. I kept saying, bring your healing light into my life. Bring your eyes. I saw my, I saw my, Visualize my body just encased in this light. I also talked to Carl, my husband, and I said, okay, you got to help me. I need your help because I figured he was still around. Yeah. And I said, I need your help. I can't do this by myself. I, I need your help. And I went to sleep. I also want to tell you that from the moment I got to the hospital, I told the nurses, do not turn any of the lights off. I want all the lights on 24 hours a day, and I do not pull that shade down. I want that shade up. So I look outside and see what people are doing. I want to see the traffic. I want to see people walking and dealing with their life. Yeah. So they'd come in and they'd start to, uh-uh, no, remember, I got to leave the lights. <laughs> they said, nobody leaves lights on 24 hours a day. I said, yes, I do. I do. I do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think they thought I was a little loony because who does that? But I said, I've got to have the light. I need yeah. light. I don't want darkness. I want light. So, yeah, I went to sleep. The next morning I woke up, I was a different person. Really? I was, I sat up in bed. Nurse <gasps> comes in and says, oh, Mrs. Perkle, how are you? I said, awesome. I am, I, you know, I'm ready to go home. They said, well, I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think you're ready to go home. I said, I feel so good. That's amazing. I feel so I can't. I'm honest to goodness. From that night on, I my my lungs started getting stronger. Yes. I had a whole I got my appetite back. I had a whole do. I said, I know, I know I'm getting better. I know I'm getting better. Yeah. And I went home after 14 days. Wow. That's a story, Anita. That is a very powerful story. I mean, 
I, and I'm telling you, uh, so I came away thinking, God really knows I have more to do. I have a message. I have more to do in this life. He's not ready for me to go over. But you know what? When I, I do remember that when I talked to my husband, he had the most serene look on his face. He was so comfortable with his decision. Yeah. And that I'll see you on the other side. Yeah. Wow, that's powerful. I'm 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 got my tissue in my hand because it's so emotional for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean So if there's others out there that are tearing up, it I'm with you. <laughs> powerful. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. Um to change like that and even I you know, I was sitting in bed thinking, wow, God really <laughs> heard me. You know, sometimes we pray and then yes. it's like, well, I really prayed, but I hope God heard me, you know, because yes. nothing happened right away. God heard me. Yeah. And boy, I thought I have got, you know, at one time they wanted <laughs> and I see you and yes. I no, no, uh, this was before I had my miracle. And yes. I said, no, no, don't put me in. I just knew if I got an ICU, I would not make it. And the yeah. doctor called my son and says, your mother refuses to go to ICU. And I thought, wow, <laughs> that kind of power. power. <laughs> they want to put me in ICU. And I said, no. <laughs> yeah. Now, what will you do? I mean, you're certainly sharing the message today, which is so powerful. But do you plan to write it in a book? Do you, do you, golly, you could even do this. This could, yes, I have all sorts of things. I think it could be. <laughs> I'm going on to series. I'm going, I'm doing all this <laughs> other stuff. I've got your future. But oh, okay. it's interesting that the power of this and people sometimes question the power of prayer. Right. And they question, you, you brought up so many tender things. The experience with your husband being so willing to go. I love that you shared his expression. Yeah. I love that they did FaceTime. Really? Yeah, we did FaceTime. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I have a friend in New York that lost her husband and she was not sick, but, you know, it was such a different experience for her. And I think there are all different kinds of experiences, depending where you are and the state of the hospital and part of the country and right. all of this, that it, it makes this experience very different for several people. As yeah. you said, I can't imagine having everybody in your family have oh, COVID. Right. And it affected so many people, so many different ways. Yeah. Yeah. There were just three of us that ended up in the hospital. My daughter, my mm -hmm. son, my, my husband, and uh -huh. me. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I have talked about for years is attitude. 
Hmm. Yes. I think in everything and everything and choices. Yes. I used to give a talk on choices. Uh-huh. Every day we have to make choices. I mean, right. just simple little things like what do I have for breakfast to do I really want to take on that extra responsibility? Right. So we always have choices. But I think that having a positive attitude, even as sick as I was, when it came, you know, what is that expression? The rubber hits the road or something like that. Where the rubber hits the road. Like it's, yes. I, I pulled into my positive, my attitude. Right. Yeah. And I think I also thought about that when they wanted to put me in ICU. My husband was in ICU, mm -hmm. but he needed to be there. He needed to be on a ventilator. Yes. I never had to go on a ventilator. But um, I did come home and I was on oxygen for another month. Right. I been at home. Do you feel, I'm going to ask you a question here. We pray to God and we know God hears us. But right. do you think just praying is enough? And I'm really careful how I'm phrasing this. Or do you think we as human beings have that, as you would say, the positive, the, the moving forward that we work as a team, you know, kind of right. God's given us this, but he's also giving us the will to fight, the will right. to go forward, the will to claim that we yeah. will be strong. And I, I sometimes think people pray, but then they give up. Well, it's so easy to say God, help me with this situation. Uh -huh. And you're really serious. Mm -hmm. And then you say, amen. And you say, oh boy, probably will never yes. happen. <laughs> right, yes. Right? right? Right. Yeah. I have for years, I have done a gratitude list. Yes. And um, I go through periods where I do it every morning and then I slip a little bit and then I go back and I do it. Yeah. And so one of the things that when I was saying, talking to God, I was thanking him, him, her, whatever, but I was thanking God, being grateful that I was still alive. Yes. That I was able to pray mm -hmm. that the nurses and the doctors were wonderful I want to tell you, every time a doctor or nurse came into the room, I would say, you know, as they're leaving, because they're wrapped in the yellow thing yes. with the gloves and the mask and the, the plexiglass over their face. You, yeah, they look like zombies. But anyway, I would say, thank you so much that I know how difficult this is. I want you to know how much I appreciate everything you do mm -hmm. for me. So I was always in a state of gratitude yeah. and always hopeful. And when I prayed, I even visualized myself oh. laying on the bed and just covered in light, that healing light. Oh, that's, that's so important. So it is that. And, and then when I finished praying, 
I just knew that God heard me. I mean, yeah. I didn't say, boy, I hope that worked. Mm -hmm. I just knew it. And I knew that Carl was there helping me. Yeah. And then I went to a sound sleep. I slept the yeah. rest of the night. Wow. And then yeah. I woke up in the next morning and it was like, oh, another day. Look at <laughs> this. The sun is shining. The lights are still on. <laughs> they didn't turn them off. The traffic is still yeah. out there. Life yeah. is good. Yeah. I, tell me how, when you did see that nurse come in, I've had the fortune, good fortune of, of interviewing a nurse who, right. who was on the front lines, who came in and did that job. And, and she was so gracious to share her love for life. Right. And, and, but yet taking all the precautions for her family, you know, using her laundry yeah. room as the, the undress, the get the wash, the, you know, to protect her family. Right. How did you feel? I know you feel grateful, but was there any feeling of I'm the piranha and here's the woman saving me? Did you get that? Is that, or were you just grateful? Just grateful. Well, I was grateful, but I also, there is a sense of really being isolated. Yes. Like for instance, usually you hear about somebody has surgery or is sick or whatever, and they get them out of bed and they want to walk them. Yes. No walking for 14 days. Wow. I couldn't leave my room because it was January and that was probably one of the worst months for COVID. Yeah. So you yeah. didn't even get to get up and, and walk. I mean, yes. it was amazing. How did your body do? I mean, well, I mean, when I came home, I was, you know, my sister who lives in Florida came up to take care of me for three weeks because I had nobody here. Yes. And she was wonderful, but I'm telling you, I was so weak. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, just yeah. because I hadn't been walking. The only walking I did was from the bed to the bathroom, but that was just a few feet. Yeah, right. Well, now you also believe that you, through your Juice Plus, which is a, a business that you do have, right. you felt that all those years of taking that product had put your body into better uh, yes. position to fight the disease. Yes. So talk a little bit about your commitment to Juice Plus and, and how you felt that helped you. Well, 25 years ago, I was working for a managed care company mm -hmm. and I was doing a lot of traveling. I was doing, giving a lot of talks. I had 36 con companies I was responsible for. I was just overwhelmed and um, traveling on the road and all. So I was getting burned out. One day, a very dear friend of mine came to me and said, I heard about this new product that came out a couple of years ago. And since I know that, you know, you eat in restaurants and everything, I really want to share it with you. And I said, thank you so much, but I don't take pills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I still, at my age, I am not on one single medicine. Wow. Not Congratulations. one. Congratulations. Yeah. No, <laughs> one single medicine. Yeah. So um, anyway, because of her credibility, I started taking it. And 
I couldn't believe how much better I felt. I mean, and it's only food. It's mm. no chemicals. It's nothing else but food. But and the I, food is what? What is it? it? It's fruits, vegetables, and berries. Okay. Yeah. And they're grown in mineral and rich soil. Mm-hmm. And then brought in, and the water, the sugar, the salt's taken out, and what you have left is powder. And uh, so they're in capsules. Uh, was it ever in liquid form? I'm thinking of an, another No, one. they do have pepper. smoothies, but no, it's strictly okay. capsules. Okay, right. Or little gummies for the children. Yes. Yeah. So I, I started taking it, and I was still working. Mm-hmm. When my son was 10 years old, we were in a horrible car accident and he mm. lost his spleen. Mm. So his immune system was really compromised. Yeah. So even in when he became an adult, he was still, you know, colds, viruses and everything. I convinced him to take it. So I thought, well, if I'm going to have, I'm taking it. My husband now is taking it. My son... I'll become a distributor. Yes. And then I had so much fun doing that that I gave up my corporate job and I just Ah. went full time with Juice Plus. Wow. And I have loved the company has, they call it the company with the heart. Uh So they also have a program that if a parent or guardian or whatever takes the capsules and they have a child between the ages of four and 18 or a full-time college student, those children can get the product free for four years. That's a lot of, yes, free. (laughs) Yeah. So a lot of parents get on the product and then their children get on it free Mm -hmm. and they're good role models for the children. Mm -hmm. My grandchildren grew up taking, um, Juice Plus, they mm-hmm. still do. Mm-hmm. And so I feel really, it's almost like a little mission for me, mm-hmm. you know, to share the product. There's also a wonderful business that goes with it. And it's been a very good company that to, to really work with. Yeah. So That's I've been fun. doing this 25 years. So after having all of those nutrients in my body for that long, that certainly helped me with my recovery. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure your body was in pretty good shape so yes. to be able to fight it off, yeah. fight off the, the disease. But um, anyway. one day, one of the nurses said to me, do you know that there are people in this hospital that have been here 20, 30, and 40 <gasps> days still alive? Oh but still fighting it. They cannot get that. It was COVID pneumonia. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, the pneumonia part on top of COVID and they're, they're still fighting it. And I, I was able to leave in 14 days. Do you have any after signs? I hear there are after signs of the disease. Well, one thing, I'm losing my hair. (laughs) Oh, rats. (laughs) And my daughter is too, who is 30 years younger than me. She's losing her hair. And that's one of the COVID side effects. And the other thing is I have scarring in my lungs. 
Yes. But it hasn't affected me. Yeah. Other than, oh, and I understand the thinning of the hair is temporary. It does grow back. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. I'm um, not ready to be bald. <laughs> no. <laughs> Nobody wants to. Now, I have to just be the, how old are you? Do you share your age? Sure. I'm 87. Awesome. <laughs> you look wonderful. Thank you. And I love your spunk. Really? <laughs> a spunk. spunk. Yes. I know. Well, I find it hard when people say that and I say, I'm 87. And then I say to myself, really? <laughs> How could I yes, be 87? Yes. The, you think about it and you go, well, this is not, I didn't think I'd get here, you know, but I, I am. <laughs> And my husband actually was 93. Really? Yeah. Oh, that is awesome. So he led a very, very, a wonderful life uh, and very productive until he was about 92. When did he retire from teaching? He retired when he was about 75. Yeah. Yeah. Was that hard for him? Did he miss the teaching or was it? Yeah. 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 But then he, he was... Um, he was very, very much into volunteer after oh, that. Oh, yeah, great. And so, you know that old saying, um, America's volunteer? Yeah, well, that was Carl. <laughs> <laughs> so was. did he I mean, work he with, with yeah. literacy council or did he take on leadership, other leadership roles? Well, he, he was, he tutored students. Tutored, yes. Tutored. I would think so. And he was very involved with our church. Yes. Very active in the church. Uh, he was involved with um, Rotary Club and he was on the board of the American Legion. Oh my. And then he also was involved with an organization called Second Helpings. And I don't know if you're familiar with that, but no. what it is, is you go to and, and you know, you're assigned, but you go to like stores and restaurants and everything where they have food that isn't, you know, it was yeah. fresh yesterday. Yeah. And he would pick that up and then take it like to missions or shelters yeah. or whatever. That's a great did, program. Yeah. So he was very involved with that almost till he was 92. Yeah. Wonderful. Now I want to sort of turn because I think this is a great opportunity to share the, the process of grieving because certainly with so many, just grieving, having experienced COVID is something we think of grieving sometimes as uh, we're kind of, kind of shocked at how much we do grieve, even the simple things of life, right. you know, ending periods of life, ending, um, School is even right. a grieving time. But the big one, the big one, we always say, is when we lose somebody that we love. Right. And, and that grieving is then when we get into the real um, soul searching, I think. I, in my right. word, you may have another word for it. But tell me how you, and you're probably still going through it. I would never tell yes. anybody how long to go through grieving because it varies with every person. But how did you face that in the hospital 
after you did your prayer and and still you knew your husband had passed? Well, when I was in the hospital, if, if you've ever been in the hospital and <laughs> been sick or whatever, yeah, it's you're very preoccupied because they're coming in every 15 minutes to do yeah. something weird. And so I, I don't think I really got the full meaning of what that meant. Yes. But when I came home, he wasn't here. Yes. I have never lived by myself. Never? Never. <gasps> oh my. Well, I went from, from high school to college. Yes. Then I lived in an apartment with three other roommates. Yes. And then I got married. Yes. I, a lot of people do that. So it's I just, had never lived by myself. Yeah. So that was really an awakening. And it was really interesting because my daughter-in-law came up with an idea of let's rearrange the family room. Oh. So it doesn't look exactly like it did when Carl was here. Yes. Which was interesting. Yeah. It, it, looked, it looked great when I got home, but I realized right away that it wasn't the same room that I had left. Yeah. Um, so she arranged it, rearranged it while, before you came home? Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So that, so that, well, they did, you know, my son and my daughter moved furniture around and everything. So that it looked different. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm still struggling with, not having him here. Yeah. And, um, but the interesting thing about it is that in January uh, and February and March, my church was closed. Oh, so, yes. So they were doing some funerals by Zoom, but I thought, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. So one time when everybody was here, because both my grandchildren are working, Mm -hmm. um, and everybody was here in the house. My sister, who is a minister, did a little service for us. Mm -hmm. And then uh, finally, the church is now just beginning to do funerals, but it's mm -hmm. been five months. So last week, my daughter and I, we have a... The, the Perkles have a family cottage on the Chesapeake Bay in Virginia oh, where nice. my husband grew up, my children grew up, my grandchildren. I mean, it's very, very. And he always said that's where he wanted to be buried. Mm -hmm. So last week, my daughter and I went up and his sister is a minister, is a Presbyterian minister. She did and there were some cousins there and everything and she did a beautiful service and we buried him up there did you was he cremated yes yes okay that's how my loved ones were passed as well were yeah cremated and i think a lot of people did that right because we just really didn't have many choices right you know? yeah no yeah. we he was cremated no. um 
I, ha- I have to tell you, just I'm digressing a little bit, but I just have to tell you something just really <laughs> strange that you probably have never heard. Okay. My, my brother is 20 years younger than me. Uh-huh. So he lived at home with my dad and my mom. Mm-hmm. And when my father, he was very close to my father. So when my father died in 2000, he was 96. My brother couldn't bear to part with him, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't do a funeral right away. And then I said to him one day, Rick, where, where is dad's ashes? Mm-hmm. Well, he had put them in a safety deposit box in a bank and he stayed there for 17 years. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and Carl did say, don't put me in a box. In a bank After box. 17 years, my sister and I finally convinced him that don't you think it's about time that you take Dad out of the bank and put him in the ground? Yes. So somebody, I told somebody and they said, was he cremated? <laughs> And use them all. Instead, um, <laughs> think about that. <laughs> well, it wasn't a very big box. Uh, he he wasn't know. a big man, but I don't think he would have fit there. <laughs> oh, well, I like the idea of cremation, actually. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so clever how people have, as cremation has become more popular as a way to people in the past. they've become so creative in how to share the ashes and to favorite spots. And as you did to your family home, which is just a beautiful idea, but it's just, I just, I don't know. It's sort of like they're with you in spots rather than leaving them in a a, bank bank. (laughs) or a graveyard. (laughs) Right. Well, the thing is, is that, his ashes are up there, but I he, I don't think he's up there. Oh, true. Yes. So I really know I, where he is. He's in heaven. Yeah. Um, that's just a shell. I think I mentioned to you that my daughter had died and we were at Purdue. Carl was teaching at Purdue and mm. we took her up. Our, our priest and Carl and I took her ashes up and buried them behind the president's house in the woods. Oh, uh-huh. and people would say, but you can't go visit her there. And I'd say, she's not. <laughs> Those are just her ashes. Yeah. Right. So I don't have a problem of not being able to go up and visit right. the place. Yeah. 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 So now that you're, you've gone through some really, really challenging, difficult, uh, life-changing situations. Right. And although you are still going through the process of grieving. Right. Because that goes on for as long as you need it to go on, actually. Um, but how are you moving forward in your life? Well, there again, because of pandemic, you know, we've run around with masks and a lot of places are closed. Yeah. My church is open now and, uh, and uh, some of the groups that I belong to, network groups and everything are beginning to meet. Uh, 
my intention is to get out more mm-hmm. with people, which mm-hmm. I, and particularly now that I'm living by myself, I find that it's really important. Mm-hmm. I am sharing my story some with people that I've been with. Um, I think that's important because sometimes people just give up. Yes. And now, granted, Carl didn't survive COVID. Mm-hmm. But I said to my family, think about it. This is probably one of the most courageous people you will ever know. For him to actually say, I'm ready to go. Because I think he knew that if he came home, he would be in a wheelchair and life, his quality of life would not be very good because he did have some health issues. Yeah. So I think that's very courageous. And I've, I have talked about that and to men. And a lot of times they say, I don't think I could do that. Yeah. Well, what it says about Carl that he was in a in a good place with his life to me. Right. He was. He and felt he had, he had tremendous lived a good faith. Life. Yeah. Yes, yes. And I think that's easier to to make that transition if you know you've you've done your job. Right. You know, you've <laughs> so I think that's probably very individualistic it, how people feel about talking about their own passing. Right. Um, right. Would be tough. Yeah. But have you started putting your story to paper? You know, I haven't. And I probably that's that's really a good suggestion. I probably should do that and uh, let people know. Yeah. That that God does answer prayers. Yeah, I, I truly believe that God answered my prayer. Yeah, right. Sounds and, like it to me. <laughs> yeah, I really believe it. And I, when I did it, it was so, so fervent. You know, I was so focused on that prayer. And when I finished, I felt like that. I, I felt that God was answering it, even though I didn't realize until the next day that He had. But I just felt that he was hearing me. Yes. Yeah. And I love the way you used visualization with the light coming down around your body. Yeah. That's really part of it. I mean, that you were visually connected and emotionally connected. Right. But the thing of it is, I'm going to encourage you to write is because even though today you feel like you remember all the things, they will fade with time. Yes. And so it's so important for you to capture those on the page. Yeah. I know in my own story, because I shared with you, I lost two family members in the December and January, about the same time you were going through yours. But um, it, it, writing is one of the things I turn to for me to process some of the pain. And um, I, I was amazed at, some of the good stuff, some of the bad stuff, it's all good because it comes out of you and goes on the paper. Now, some of those things I never heard, I 
did not remember nor how how they had affected me. And so I did that only because I have a coach that said, you need to do this. <laughs> I went, yes, right. <laughs> you know. So anyway, I really do share that with you because I think it's a wonderful tool for anybody that's listening today. Writing and getting that pain right. or that transition on paper is an important process. Yeah. And with your mission, oh my, I just see great things happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I well, I, I feel so strongly about about the fact I, I really think of it as a miracle. Yes, I to be I would so agree. sick. And even my family were beginning to think that I wasn't gonna be coming home. Yes. Yeah. I mean it just, you know, the doctors just kept saying, She is really sick. She is really sick. And they kept calling me. My son and my daughter kept calling me every day. Okay, mom, you gotta work. You gotta work hard. <laughs> you gotta come home. You gotta come home. And and um, you know, I just kept hearing them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of curious that the doctor and the nurses would talk about that where you could hear them. Did the they doctor, just think you were out of it? I, I don't, it, it, they must've thought I was asleep Yeah, and they must've been checking my oxygen level. Uh, and he probably said to the nurse, you know, I don't, I don't think she's going to make it. Yeah. Her lungs are just not sustaining this oxygen. You know, right. yeah. well. and they kept adding more and more oxygen. And then finally, on the floor that I was on, they said, we're going to have to send you to ICU because we don't have enough oxygen, you know, the, the level for you. Oh, for and that's God. when I said, no, 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 <laughs> you can't do that. And then they said, well, we could put you on the pulmonary floor, the sixth floor. And I said, that sounds so good. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's really kind of weird when I think about oh, as sick as I was, I'm telling the doctors, no, we're not doing that. We're going up. So that was the sixth floor. Yeah, no, that was the third. that was the sixth floor. That was the yeah. sixth floor. And that was for pulmonary patients. So they yeah. had more levels of oxygen. Uh, oh. So that's where I was when when that miracle happened. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Anita, I love the story. I love the, the, the commitment that you're sharing. I mean, it's, it's so powerful. Sometimes it just takes these situations to, to really test our faith, to right. test our, our whole, uh, the way we approach yeah. things. To question everything, you know. It does. Yeah, but I I am so pleased that you came today to share this because it's so important. People need to hear this, and so I wish I could. You could see my audience, so they you probably see them all raising, and clapping their hands, <laughs> and your, your your presence here today because it has been moving for me. And um, I know it has been for my listeners. So I wish you the best. And well, I know someday I'll be reading that book or see that book on the, on the, on the shelf or 
see the little movie or whatever comes out of this story because um, it's an inspirational story for everybody to hear. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I'm glad we had a chance to be together today. Yes. So thank you very much. Yes. All right. So we are going to, I have given you, well, Anita and I gave you some things to think about this week. What will your week look like? Will you really question that you're doing the right thing? Will you approach it with a positive approach? Really question, can I do this? And yes, I can do it if I decide I can. And then also question if your prayer life is where you want it to be. Do you want it to grow? Then you're the one that can make it grow. As simple as Anita did on that bed, visualizing God, the power of God, come down and heal her. And saying the words. There's lots to think about this week. I am so grateful that you were here to hear Anita's story. And I look forward to sharing another story with you next week. Another powerful example of how we can make a difference. We can change our life and we can move forward. Thank you for being here on Second Wind.